It's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC, the crown jewel of American radio. Welcome to your Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Snurdly here, James Golden. Good to be back. 800-848-WABC is the number to call if you would like to be on the program this morning. We're here for three hours. Hope you join us. Stay for all three. Stay on the phone. We've got a lot coming up today. We are going to talk about the political doings this week, and there are quite a few of them. CPAC is underway in Washington, D.C., and so some news is being made from CPAC. There's all sorts of news in all sorts of areas. Uh, As usual, there's a lot of transgender news going on. That seems to be dominating American culture these days. There's oh, and the, the phone lines, by the way, also in the news, the phone lines are down. So we have the alternate phone line today. We have that up on your screen there. Okay, you... What is the phone number? Yeah, right there. In front. Look, we, look in front. Just tell me the 833 833-969-4447. So the numbers that I gave you, scratch that. Here's the number, 833-969-4447, 833 833- Thank you, Scott. I forgot to tell you. I'm sorry. Yeah, thank you. 833. I also forgot to tell you as well. (laughs) Thank you, Diego. 833-969-4447. Huh. Yeah, we're going to have to repeat that number a bunch. Yeah. 833-969-4447. Four 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 seven. If that helps you. Yeah. Okay. But this was a, a strange week for me. I had to take off a few days for medical reasons. Um, and, and so let me start there. About, it, you know, time is so strange. You, you think you'll remember things that are, that are seminal in your life by date and then the years just kind of blur into each other. And you forget, or at least I do, some some things that happened years ago. So I know I was younger and I went to um I went to a urologist and you know, it was one of my first experiences at the urologist and I tell you what, guys, if you've never been to a urologist, your first exam, your first time there, it is very unpleasant. Things happen to you that you don't expect ever to happen to you in your life during the examination. And it is uncomfortable. (sighs) I think you get my drift. I hope you get my drift. Scott, have you ever visited the urologist? No. Just wait. Uh, how? Yeah, you should be going about now. Yeah, I'm not kidding. I'm, I'm not... sure the, my doctor wanted me to get a uh, endoscopy, and I'm like, hey, I, you know what? I don't. I just don't want to do that. Okay, so Diego, have you ever had to visit a urologist? No, but I've heard all about it. Yeah, it's nothing like it. It's, it's nothing like it. And I don't say that to scare any of you guys. It's just that this is a part of life. Who's screening? Is Camelia here? She's running a bit late, but she's on her way. Okay. Yeah. So, a telephone number. Again, we have a telephone number change today. 
three nine six nine four 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 seven eight three three nine six nine four 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 seven is the number to call today. We have alternate phone lines going on. Okay. So anyway, so I went to the ur. I'll try to make this quick. I went to the urologist. And um, after the root exam, he says to me, you know, we have to do a biopsy on you. And, okay, so if you think the initial exam is something else, then when you have this object that is um, moving up inside of your body and snipping things, it's another bit of uncomfortableness. But uh, following, you know, uh, I came back to the urologist maybe a week later, and he says to me, um, well, you have cancer. So now usually the, you know, you you you, you think, well, <laughs> how you, you, you always wonder, I think, before when you're, when you're young and healthy, wow, what if, if that ever happens to me? I wonder how I'm going to react. Well, the, the first thing that came to my mind is, I wonder what kind of blessing God has in store for me with this. Because, and, and which was to me an odd thought, but it, it was a true thought. So I had, I had the beginning of what I thought was prostate cancer, what was prostate cancer, diagnosed. And um, from there, it, I went back and forth, back and forth over what do I do, what do I do, do I get radiation, do I get it taken out, blah, 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 blah which was odd because the radiation guys were were saying, you know, don't go to the the surgery guys. The surgery guys were saying, don't go to the radiation guys. And it was, uh, what do I do? Well, a friend of mine stepped in, a dear friend, who happened to at the time had been the White House doctor. And I had met him when I had visited the White House with Rush um, for a breakfast that Tony Snow, Carl Rove, and those guys put together back during the Bush years. It was that was a wonderful day. And so I called him and I said, "You know, I'm getting conflicting information. What do I do?" So the next thing I know. He hasn't given me permission to give his name. He's a general, but he was White House doctor. So Dick Tubbs, General Dick Tubbs. So anyway, I, I, um, he said, you know what? I'm going to make some calls. And he called over to NIH and got me into a clinic, into a research study at NIH. He said, these people are the best in the world. And there won't be any questions. I went up. I I, I got through the pro, you know, the interview process and all of it, and they accepted me as a patient. And what they told me was quite different than I had been hearing from everyone else. They did this really invasive, and I say really invasive. Sometime I would love to tell you about it, but it was it was amazingly in. It was more invasive than I had ever thought possible. But what they said at the end of it was, you don't have cancer yet. You have, this is going to develop into cancer at some point, but let's just monitor you. 
And they did that for years. So I went to my regular checkup. I had to go once a year. And then one year, a few years ago, they said, um, Mr. Golden, this has turned extremely aggressive. You have to come up here now. And I moved to D.C. And I um, moved to the area. One of my friends, Connie Hare, who was the um, chief of staff of Louis Gohmert, we've been dear friends since, I don't know, since whatever, whenever. She said, okay, you can stay in my basement. She had an apartment in the basement to stay down there, and 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 she took care of me uh, for the four months, five months, six months that I lived there. Uh, no one at work. I was, of course, screening and producing and doing all that stuff with the Rush Show. Nobody knew because these the folks at Premier Radio Networks were so wonderful. They found me an office and with an iHeart facility that was 15 minutes, 10 minutes away from the NIH where I was, was every day. And I would just, I had the first appointment in the morning. They set it up. I would get there 7.30 in the morning for my radiation and um, and then just go to work. And I, you know, I had was very fortunate. I had maybe four days where I was just totally knocked out, and that happened on the weekend. Both, both times, two times on the weekends, I couldn't couldn't barely get out of bed for like 20 hours a day. But outside of that, I was, you know, just ticked it. Now, I say that to say all of this. So this was, this week I had to go up for my now four-year checkup afterwards. So that's why I wasn't at work the last three days. But I say this to say that if you guys, and I mean this to all of you, Diego, I mean this to you, I mean this to you, Scott, don't fool around with this stuff. You you are all at the age where you should be checking your PSA numbers, making sure every year that you get your PSA numbers checked. And if there's anything amiss, get it taken care of immediately. There have been so many people who have died needlessly from prostate cancer, and it is not a way that you want to go out because they didn't get, because they refused to get checked, because they're worried about, you know, and, and all the things about being invasive. It is a minor inconvenience compared to all the rest of it. Now, I say that to say I am also a huge fan of NIH. Now, I know Fauci, blah, 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 COVID, Fauci. NIH, let me just say to all of you, and I mean this, number one, by the way, if you, not just for for this, but for almost anything else, NIH does provide health care to every Amer- American citizens are welcomed into NIH, not just American citizens, I phrased that wrong. You're here in this country, you should avail yourself of NIH if you can. They have clinical studies on just about everything, and if you have anything in questions, you should at least call them and see whether you would be, uh, whether you would be accepted into their programs. The NIH, 
I had friends that get angry with me. They say this is government health care, and you're conservative, and you shouldn't be about government health care. It bothered me so much. One night I had dinner. I was fortunate enough to have dinner with Justice Clarence Thomas and his wife at their home. And I mentioned to Justice Thomas, you know, this is this this NIH thing. Some of my conservative friends tell me I shouldn't be so pro NIH. And Justice Thomas said to me, "You have to tell the truth, James. Don't be afraid of what people might think about it from a political point of view. This is your experience with NIH." Tell the truth about it. And so let me tell you the truth about NIH. I have never in my life had health care provided the way that NIH provides health care, the National Institute of Health. Number one, they are on the leading edge of uh, treatments. The doctor that took my case, Dr. Peter Pinto, is one of the world-renowned experts. The doctors there uh, are amazing. My my ongoing doctor is amazing. The staff, you have never, I've never seen anything like these people. They work, and they their protocols on how they treat you, how you are treated how they do everything is first rate. When I left there, I said if every American could experience the health care that I had with NIH, no one would ever complain about their health care again, period. It is hard to me to express to you how much these people care about you. You are not just a number but all, but at the same time, they deal with large numbers. Let me just give you one example. When I go in for these exams, the first place they send you to is, first of all, this building. It's a NIH is a city within a city. It is in Bethesda, Maryland. It is a city inside that city. It is huge, and they give you a map of the place, and it is huge. It is a little city inside the city. So I go to this this one place. It's one of the, and I found out later it is the single largest brick building in the United States of America. The clinical research it is huge, and you can easily get lost in there. But the first place you do, you go to do your blood work. By the time you see your doctor a few hours later, your blood work is completed. They know what you have. They it's you're not waiting around for days and answers. They double check, trip. Everything is done so professionally, but and dealing with large numbers of people, you would think that you would feel just like another number. You don't. It is amazing the way that they're able to personalize your care. And then if you are like with oncology, I mean, I've developed relationships with these people that will be lifelong relationships. It goes beyond your patient. They actually. When I got through with my course of radiation, I got a document from them. It's like, you know, hey, you completed every single member. It's like almost 40 people signed it that I had had contact with. 
wishing you well, blah, blah, blah. It's amazing. These people, it, it, let me just put it like this. They love what they do. They care about what they do, and that transfers over to the way that they treat their patients. I've never experienced anything like this before in my life. Now, is Dr. Fauci a big shot at NIH? Yeah, but he's retired now. And do I have issues with Fauci on COVID? Yes. And do you still have to wear a mask when you go there? Yes. But let me tell you something. The healthcare over at NIH, and I say this to all of you because a lot of people don't know that as an American, you have a right to see whether you can get your health care there too. And in many cases, they're not going to charge you. In fact, if you can't afford, they will help your travel. They will help your hotel. They will do whatever they have. They will help you get the help that you need. So if you are in dire straits with health care, and all of that. You need to check that out. I'm not saying you will be admitted, but you need to at least check it out. National Institutes of Health. Now, to get back, got some other stuff to discuss, and I hate usually just talking about me, but this has been a strange week. I'll be back. James Golden, A.K. Snurley, coming back. Don't go away. Back in a moment. And I'm gonna be As a kite by then The Saturday Morning Radio Extravaganza Now, here's James Golding A.K.A. Bo Snurdly On 77 WABC The music in the background is from Weather Report The album is Heavy Weather Wayne Shorter passed away yesterday. Wayne Shorter was one of America's premier musicians. American jazz saxophonist, composer. Had been around before I was born. In the late 50s, part of Art Blakely's, uh, Blakey's Jazz Messengers. Miles Davis. Of course, I became aware of him with this album, sad to say, <laughs> which was Weather Report, the group that he and Joe Zawanoff co-formed. I've been described as America's greatest living small group composer, one of the greatest living improvisers from Newark, New Jersey. Graduated from Newark Arts High School in New Jersey. I mean, his influence, if you go back to the Steely Dan Asia album, there's a story I pulled about how he worked with that. And if you go on... Uh, Twitter, and you look through the threads, you will see the impact that he's had on American music. Incredible. And it's a great loss. 
Now, I've had some other losses this week I want to talk about, too. A lot of you wonder why Princess Di hasn't been here. Princess Di has been taking care of her husband, and Mike Aloko passed away this week. Mike is, and so our condolences to our very beloved Princess Di. And I won't get into the details of it except to say he had surgery and and everything looked great and then complications. So she's that's why Di has not Princess Di hasn't been with us the past few weeks. Now Mike is a special guy. Was a special guy. Is Mike used to play with the New York Giants a little bit. He football. He's big. Mike was a little bit taller than me, maybe six four. Sicilian. Had this beautiful crop of silver curly hair and done all kinds of things. Just a, a, a great guy. But more than that, he was um, a caring guy. You know, I um, I, I will always, I'll never forget this. I, I came back from Asia um, some years back and I had double pneumonia. I didn't realize it until I was at work. I was at work coughing up blood and doing all kinds of stuff. And so I ended up in the hospital. And um, at the time I was living in um, on the east side of Florida, and Mike and, and Diana lived on the west coast of Florida. And Mike got in his car when he heard I was in the hospital. And in the middle of a horrible rainstorm, drove through it all night because it was, it was traffic conditions were so bad, showed up at the hospital and wouldn't leave. They put a chair for him, a reclining chair, where he slept in my room. And he said he was there because um, he knew I was, you know, I didn't have any family here at the time. And he uh, would help me get out of bed and go to the bathroom and do whatever I needed to do. And that's what kind of guy he was. He had his name for me. He called me Twinkle Toes for some reason. And uh, he was one of the most, he was... He was a giant guy, but he was so kind and so loving and always funny. He was raucous, too. <laughs> I, I referred to him as Surly Mike. When um, This is a guy that actually put a vig on his landscaper. His landscape I don't know what the situation was. His landscaper ended up maybe overcharging or something on some job. And Mike put a vig on the guy. He told him, "Listen, you 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 either pay me back this this date or or it's going to double, and every week it's going to double." And I mean, the guy, I'm like, who in the world puts a vig on their landscaper? <laughs> Mike Mike did. He was hilarious. He was a wonderful spirit, but he was loving. Loved Diana like you wouldn't believe. Loved his family. Um, and his friends, and when you were his friend, you were his friend, and he loved you, and he'd do anything for you like he did for me. And he, they had a great life together. I don't want to talk about him too much. I want Diana, if she's when she's ready, and she she will be back with us at some point. You know, obviously she's grief stricken at the moment, as we all are. You know, I'm I'm heartbroken, and we all expected Mike to pull through because he's so big and so strong. And 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 so wonderful. We just thought this was so. This came as a shock. 
So that's where Princess Di is. Derek Hunter is not going to be with us this week. Derek's dad passed away. This has been a week of it. I'm telling you, it has been a week of it. And so we give our heartfelt condolences to both Princess Di and to Derek Hunter. Our family here on, on our radio extravaganza has had some losses this week. And while all those losses are going on, I'm at the same time waiting with bated breath for the arrival of my grandson. Right now, is <laughs> my daughter is in the hospital uh, waiting in labor. And we know, I just found out last night, because she didn't tell me what it was going to be. They've known. But last night she let slip that it's a boy. So we have life, we have death. And this is the way life is. Sadness and joy all at the same time. I'm going to miss Mike more than I can tell you. I am just completely heartbroken. I'm heartbroken for Derek over losing his father. I'm elated that a new life is coming after all of the the grief that we've had for the last two years. As you know, I lost my mom. I lost Rush in the same week. What I don't talk about is I lost my baby bird in that week, too. It was like three in that, that week. So we had all this death and then death and then death. And now there's some life coming in. So anyway, we'll get to the political news. I I spent a half an hour just talking about me, and I don't usually do that and stuff going on in my life. But I do want to say again, NIH is amazing. And for those of you that can avail yourself of the services that they have there, this is this is, you pay for this, the most amazing health care in the world to me at, at the National Institutes of Health. And, yes, I understand that some of you with the whole Fauci thing, I get that. But don't let this dissuade you if you are in need of medical care, of checking out the services that are available on the leading edge, on the clinical study side, and all the rest of the great work that they do over at NIH. I am a living testament to it, and I will swear to you, I will promise you, that these people are amazing. And for you guys, please, I know you hear this all the time, but please get your PSA numbers checked as early as you can. If you're in your 30s, 40s, 50s, get your PSA numbers checked and make sure that they're good. All right, we'll do some politics. We'll do the rest of the stuff. Again, we have a new phone number today, 833-969-4447. We'll be back. We'll start in on the politics, and we'll start in on the other stuff. But anything you want to talk about, it's our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Camelia, I hope you're ready. You know what you got to do this week. <laughs> I hope you've been practicing. Well, you don't even have to practice your moves because she got it like that. Anyway, we'll be back. Don't go away. Bo knows politics and so much more. A true connection to real New York on 77 WABC. Weather Report brings us back. Omar is playing on this. He was with Weather Report, so that's Omar Hakim on drums, Victor Bailey bass, Joe Zawinul, 
Wayne Shorter. And this is called the D-flat waltz. Wayne Shorter, of course, passed away, one of America's greatest musicians. And there, this has been a political week. Lori Lightfoot, of course, could not get out of her primary. She lost. And I mean, her loss was stunning. The news media had not been reporting how disliked she was by her own constituents. And of course... What did Lori Lightfoot blame? Did she blame the the incessant murder rate, the rampant criminality that has taken over Chicago? No. What did she do? She blamed racism and sexism. So, which always amazes me. You remember when Lori Lightfoot won? Some of you will remember. Oh, we have the first black lesbian woman that is now the, the mayor of Chicago, and blah, blah, blah. It's, histor- it's historic. It's historic. They didn't blame racism or sexism for her victory, did they? No. This is an advancement. This is great news. But when she fails as a mayor, and she utterly failed, a horrible mayor, one of the worst, but there are others. What's to blame? Oh, well, the voters are racist. Oh, the voters are sexist. Three days before the election, she says, I'm a black woman. Let's not forget. Certainly, folks, frankly, don't support us in leadership roles. That's a lot of crapola. People don't support us. I mean, Obama, you know, you would, you, you would think that we never elected a black president in the United States. Not just once, but twice. So all of a sudden, the voters are suddenly racist and don't support black people when, when a black candidate loses after having won and then failed in office. I can't wait. Maybe the guy that, have you heard about this guy that is up for the FAA to to lead the, the Federal Aviation Administration. He's a black guy, Phil somebody, and, and he's up for a job. His name is Phil Washington. And he's up to lead the Federal Aviation Administration. Now, if I were up for the Federal, for a confirmation to lead the Federal Aviation administration, you would think that I need to know something about aviation, anything about aviation. You're going to lead the FAA, right? I want you to listen to Senator Ted Budd. This is at his confirmation hearing. This is at his confirmation hearing. Now, granted, we may not understand all this, but we are not running, we're not up for the job to head the Federal Aviation Administration. Listen to the questions and the answers. Now, I say this, here's another one. Let's see whether we're going to blame racism for this, too. 
he happens to be black, to me that doesn't make a difference. But listen to the questions and answers. Scott, roll that. So, Mr. Washington, can you quickly tell me uh, what airspace requires an ADSB transponder? Not sure I can answer that question right now. That's, that's okay. We'll just keep going. So um, that's a that's a pretty important part. So, what are the six types of special use airspace that protect this national security that appear on FAA charts? Uh, sorry, Senator, I cannot answer that question. Okay. So, what are the operational limitations of a pilot flying under? Basic med. Senator, I'm not a pilot, so. Uh, but uh, obviously you'd ever see the F- Federal Aviation Administration. So um, any, any idea what those uh, restrictions are under basic med, quickly? Uh, well, some of the restrictions I think would be high blood pressure. Uh, some of them would be. Uh, it, it's more like how many passengers per airplane, how many pounds yeah. in different categories, and uh, what, ele- what uh, altitude uh, you can fly under. So, and, uh, and then. Uh, amount of knots. It's under 250 knots. So it's not having have anything to do with blood pressure. So can you tell me what causes an aircraft to spin or to stall? Uh, again, Senator, I'm not a pilot. Um, okay, uh, let's keep going. What are the three aircraft certifications FAA requires as part of the manufacturing process? Quickly, please. Three aircraft certifications. Uh, again, uh, what I would say to that is that one of my first priorities would be to fully implement that Certification Act uh, and report You know the three types, uh, Mr. Washington? The, the three no. types? Okay. Yeah, that's type certificate, production certificate, and airworthiness certificate. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Let's just keep going, see if we can uh, um, get lucky here. So can you tell me what the minimum separation distance is for landing and departing airliners during the daytime, Mr. Washington? I don't want to guess on that, Senator. Are you familiar with the difference between Part 107 and Part 44809 when it comes to unmanned aerial standards? Unmanned aerial, unmanned like drones, are you familiar with Yes, yes. Okay, you know the difference between those two, Part 44809 and Part 107? Do you know the difference there? No, I cannot. uh, That's okay. So... This is the guy that's supposed to be in charge of the Federal Aviation Administration, according to Joe Biden, can't answer a single question, not one, pertaining to aviation, doesn't know any of the regulations, doesn't know a damn thing about anything concerning aviation, yet he's supposed to be in charge of the government's Federal Aviation Administration, according to Joe Biden. Let's see how long it takes before some leftist says that this was racist. Because the guy happens to be black. Couldn't answer a single question put before him about aviation. This is what Joe Biden thinks of you, ladies and gentlemen. This is what the Biden administration thinks. This is how you end up with Pete Buttigieg running transportation. And speaking of Pete Buttigieg and mayors, this all comes together. Have you heard about the Maryland mayor? Mayor Patrick Wojan, who resigned this week, who's been charged with 56 child pornography-related charges. He, This is the guy who previously said that Pete Buttigieg was his mentor. 
Maryland mayor, 56 child pornography-related charges, has visited the White House several times since Joe Biden took office, previously described Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg as his mentor. He resigned Wednesday, right before Prince George's County arrested him, on 40 counts of possession of child pornography and 16 counts of distributing child pornography. The Democrat said in his resignation letter that he would cooperate with law enforcement. Well, that's nice of you, since they busted you with all the child porn. Now you're going to cooperate? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He attended Pride Month reception at the White House. He attended, uh, which, by the way, during Pride Month, that included a signing of executive order on advancing LGBTQI plus individuals. And he also was at the White House ceremony celebrating the passage of the Inflation Reduction Act. He's So he's a Democrat in good standing. Pete Buttigieg, his mentor, 56 charges, child pornography. By the way, also he was a frequent donor, another news story. And he was the mayor of College Park, Maryland. Now, College Park is is a major city in Maryland. He's also a frequent donor to Democrat Senator Tammy Baldwin. Let's see whether we are going to get continued. Can you imagine one difference in this guy if he had an R next to his name instead of a D? What do you think would happen? What do you think the press coverage of this would be? So Lori Lightfoot, mayor, gone, didn't even make it through the primaries, deservedly gone, blaming sexism and racism. We got this guy, child porn up the wazoo. And then there's the New Orleans mayor. There's a recount effort underway from her. At Mardi Mardi Gras, just recently, you know what she did? She flipped off people in the parade. She's giving them the finger. This woman has been in the news so much for seemingly just malfeat and just, just, just a horrible mayor, murder rates out the, up the murder rates, crime out of control in New Orleans. And she has just been in your face, not delivering for the people in New Orleans. Now there's a recall effort out for her. Meanwhile, another big battle in D.C., Joe Biden has sided with Republicans to overrule the D.C. City Council. The D.C. City Council wanted to do one of these bail reform deals that has let crime spread, like in New York, let the criminals out. Let's lower the let's lower let's lower the standards for carjacking. Let them out sooner, et cetera, et cetera. Well, Joe Biden stepped in and said, no, we're not going to go along with that. Because 
the Congress, the, the executive, they control what happens in D.C. They have the final stop. And Democrats are howling mad. Nancy Pelosi, who apparently is the still, still the leader of the Democrat Party in the House, Nancy Pelosi says, I wish Joe had told us he was going to do this first. We'll get into all of that when we get back. Yeah. Democrat, every city you look at, every in Austin, Texas, by the way, so many police officers are resigning and have resigned that Austin, Texas, the liberal stronghold in Texas, is now collapsing, literally. They can't even take the 911 calls. They have detectives now, but few are left on patrol beat because so many patrolmen have resigned. Because cops are saying, nope, this place is too hostile for us. Screw this. We're not going to work here. And the whole city law enforcement is collapsing. Another blue city. This is what Democrats are doing to America. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley. Again, we're working with a different phone number today, 833-969-4447. 833-969-4447. It's our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. We're coming back shortly. Don't go away. See the curtains hanging in the window in the evening on a Friday night. Oh, knows politics. And so much more. A true connection to real New York on 77 WABC. So you like this one, huh, Scott? Yeah, I didn't know this when it was new. Dave Matthews? Yeah. Diego introduced me to this song. As he does so many. You know what we don't have in the library that I love? Diego, make a note, please. Every Breaking Wave by you, you two. American Baby. Well, hopefully I'll have one. Well, through my daughter. This is the first grandkid? My first, yeah, it'll be my first grandchild. Looking forward to it. I'm a great uncle. You know, that's what I mean. My um, my great niece had a baby two weeks ago. She had a little girl, and again, there was tragedy there. But I don't want to get into that with the. Uh, but but all of a sudden, you know, these babies are coming, and my great my my uh, my niece is pregnant, she's due in May. So, you know, you have you suffer through all these losses and then you get a renewal. This this life. This is what life is. American babies. Gotta love it. Boy, the liberals are hot over this. I know you're you're on the phones and again we're working with a different phone number today. In fact, let's take a call. And then I'll get to this D.C. crime bill, because I'm, I'm laughing myself, silly. Democrats are scorching mad because, and I don't understand this, and I really wish that some liberal would explain to me, or anybody explain to me, why looking at the state of American cities, looking at how crime is taking over, where was it that Walmart just said, hey, we're out of here? We're, I think it's, is it Portland that they just said, 
we're done. We're closing all the stores here because the crime is ridiculous out and we, we're not going to do this anymore. If you look in city after city after city, you see the results of Democrat policies. The criminals are taking over. And yet in D.C., in Chocolate City, what does the city council do? Ooh, let's do what everyone else is doing and let's lower the bar for criminals. Let's let them, let's let more of them out on the street. Well, the Republicans said, no, we're not going to do that. And Joe Biden said, I'm with you. We're not going to do that. I heard they wanted to, to stop prosecuting carjackings. That's a little bit of a misnomer. What they did was they lowered the standard. What they did, instead of spending 18 years in jail or whatever it is, they wanted to just, okay, you'll only get 15 years if you're convicted. But they wanted to lower the standards on everything else. And so Democrats are, they are ticked at Joe Biden. How dare you sign on with Republicans to be tough on crime? That makes no sense. Let's go to Tony in New Jersey. Tony, thank you for waiting. How are you, Tony? Hey, Tony's busy. Let's see whether he catches up. I wonder what he's listening to. Let's put Tony back on hold. That's not this show. (laughs) That was odd. (laughs) Let's go to Staten Island and John say hello to John. I hope John is there. John in Staten Island, how are you? Hello. Hello. Good morning. Good morning, John. Hello, Bo. I'm here. We're listening. Hello. How are you? Bo, Bo, Bo. He's here. Our phone lines are screwed. Can you hear me? I hear him. Hello? Fine. He can't hear us. Anyway, bring oh. him down. Let's figure out what's going on with the phones with our alternate number. 833-969-4447-833. We, we will get, something's going on with the phones, by the way which is why we're not using our regular number. But this other substitute number is supposed to be working. We'll try it again. The one-way number. You can talk to us, but we can't talk back. Yeah, 833-969-4447. We'll see whether we get it straight. Meanwhile, let me delve into this while we we're looking into this, our crime bill thing. So Perry Bacon Jr. in the Washington Post today, listen to the way he starts everything with these Democrats, everything is race. It's either race or sex. Did you hear about what's going on with Hershey? The candy bar, you've heard what's going on with Hershey. Hershey, the candy bar, did a special rapper commemorating one of these, you know, transgender things or international something or another, and they put the pronoun her and she on the bar, Hershey. And people are livid. They're like, why are you doing this? You have what? I have the cup from the commercial. Let's listen to it. Thank you, Diego. My name is Faye Johnstone. I'm the executive director of Wisdom to Action, the world where everyone is able to live in public space as their honest and authentic selves. See the woman changing how we see the future at Hershey's Canada. Hmm. Okay, then. 
I didn't understand most of that. Would you play it again and let's see whether we can decipher it, please, Diego? My name is Faye Johnstone. I'm the executive director of Wisdom to Action, the world where everyone is able to live in public space as their honest and authentic selves. See the woman changing how we see the future at Hershey's Canada. There's a little Hershey's, blip in there. Yeah, Hershey's Canada. Her for she. That's the name of the campaign. Her for she. In honor of International Women's Day, that figures that it features on the candy bar wrapper, transgender woman Faye Johnstone, a queer trans and feminist activist. This is story is today's in Bizpack Review, who is also a and I don't even know what all of this means. She is also a two S L G B T Q U I A plus advocate. What in the the number two, S-L-G-B-T-Q-U-I-A plus advocate. She's posing in the ad with a limited edition candy bar. And we just heard what she says. My name is Faye Johnstone. I'm the executive director of the Wisdom to Action we can create a world where everyone is able to live in public space as their honest and authentic selves. What in that? What does that even mean? What does that mean? And as the ad comes together, she can be seen alongside several biological women laughing it ends with an invitation for viewers to watch Hershey's Canada International Women's Day campaign on the website. See the women changing how we see the future at Hershey's Canada. We still have a long way to go in the fight to end misogyny, patriarchy, and gender-based violence. I hope this campaign helps give more young women and girls role models and possible models. I What? Well, the hour's up. You can do that through chocolate. Yeah, you can do that with your candy bar named H-E-R-S-H-E, Hershey. Yeah. Somebody wrote, there are lots of other chocolate bars out here. (laughs) You know, I I don't, uh, yeah. Look, I'm not making fun, and as you all know, I believe that dysphoria is real. I keep saying it over and over again, but at some point, I keep going back to what Sarah Huckabee Sanders says. We're no longer in a battle over right and left. We're a battle over normal versus crazy, and that's where we are. We'll be back for hour number two, Saturday morning, Radio Extravaganza. Don't go away. Coming right back. It's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC, the crown jewel of American radio. Welcome to our number duo. Camille, are you ready? You know what happens at the bottom of the hour. Are you ready, Camille? Can you hear me? 
That's right. We're going to be dancing, and you are leading it. It is the hour. That's right. It's the morning dance time. Comes up later on in this hour. At WABC Talk Radio 77, the crown jewel of American radio. It's our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. If you want to be part of the program today, our alternative phone number, 833 969 Yes. Okay, let's t- talk about this crime bill for a minute. Now, this now you those of you that know American politics know that a continued source of anger for the Democrats has been that constitutionally, our Constitution set the District of Columbia not as a state but as a capital city, and it gave Congress veto power over the local laws there. It's an anomaly from the way that the government is set up. We have we have in America the 50 states and the District of Columbia, which is its own district. The District of Columbia does not have senators, which is people have been claiming for years that it's unfair and constitutional. They want self-rule. If you... <laughs> In fact, D.C. had put out plates that says taxation with no representation. They've been This has been going on for years and years and years. And there's been a battle to, to make D.C. a statehood, its own statehood. So, the D.C. City Council unanimously voted on a crime bill. And in that crime bill... One of the things that they wanted, and by the way, this crime bill was so bad that even though the city council voted on it unanimously, the mayor of Washington, Muriel Bowser, last month vetoed it, but the council overrode her veto, paving the way for the legislation to become law until Joe Biden surprised everybody by siding with the Republicans to get rid of it. Now, among other things, this crime bill in D.C. would eliminate most mandatory sentences. It would lower the penalties for violent offenses. So if you beat somebody up, if you're violent, what do DC people say? Oh, give them a break. Let's lower the let's lower the sentences for violent crime, and that includes robberies, violent robberies, and violent carjackings. They wanted to actually lower the sentences. Oh, as of as of yesterday. There have already been 95 carjackings, reported carjackings in D.C. this year alone. But they wanted to lower the bar, let these criminals out earlier. So the member, one of the members of the squad, Pramila Jayapal, I'm deeply disappointed 
to see the president announce he will allow Congress to overturn a D.C. law for the first time in decades. This is simple. The District of Columbia must be allowed to govern itself. Democrats' commitment to home rule should apply regardless of the substance of local legislation. So never mind what's actually in the bill, the issue of D.C. state, of D.C. homeland, as they call it, homeland governance should come first. Never mind what's in the actual law. Well, Joe Biden said, you know what? Enough is enough. I, 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 y'all, y'all are not. No, I'm not doing this. This is ridiculous. And now the Amazon Prime Washington Post columnist Perry Bacon Jr. writes this: Democratic presidents in the past have done troubling and at times truly terrible things to appease centrist white voters, and win election. President Biden shouldn't continue that legacy, and I am becoming increasingly worried that he will. Biden announced Thursday he supports a provision initially pushed by congressional Republicans to plot to block D.C.'s recent overhaul, overhaul of the criminal code. It's problematic for at least three reasons. First, Whatever the merits of the crime policy, it was adopted by the D.C. government in a totally appropriate process. His decision to override it completely contradicts the goals of the D.C. home rule and eventual statehood. See, this is again. And this guy's a black columnist. Now, what is Scott, what's the nickname for D.C.? Swamp. Besides that. Camelia, come on, help! What are what's the what's the nickname for DC? The nickname for DC? I mean, I know it's District of Columbia or something, but Chocolate City. I want to help. City? That's what it's called, Chocolate City. I would have never known. Yeah, that's what people have been calling it for years. Well, what what some black folks have been calling it, Chocolate City. Okay, so DC, Chocolate City. No matter that mostly black people live in D.C. Boy, that reminds me of, uh, what's his name? What's the name of the mayor down there? The, oh, Marion Berry. You remember Marion Berry? Anybody remember Marion Berry? Yeah. What do you remember him for? I remember him for enjoying doing lots of crack and for uh, the, having all kinds of support from the people for doing crack and getting reelected and praised for doing crack. Well, I don't know whether he was praised for doing the crack, but certainly he enjoyed a high level of support, even though he did crack. And I remember I like when to he, think of it as a cause and effect. When he was arrested, and pardon my language here, do not bleep it out because this is what he actually said. When he was arrested, Marion Barry, mayor of D.C., said, the bitch set me up. The bitch set me up. And it was, <laughs> we made so much fun of that back then. But did he get reelected? He got reelected anyway. This is Chocolate City, okay? 
And so what Perry Bacon here in the Amazon Prime Washington Post is echoing is, look, I, we don't care what's in the bill. We don't care the impact of the bill on the people who live here. What's important is our political objective for home rule. Never mind the impact. Who cares what's in the bill? Well, the people of D.C. care should care what's in the bill, despite the fact that their left-leaning, goony leaders don't seem to care about them. What? When did it come, become okay to let criminals back on the street? Because, prime, look, can we just be honest here? Yes, we can, because I'm going to be honest here. And I dare any of you to try to cancel me. I'm talking about you lefties. Go ahead and cancel me over this if you think you can. The real issue is that most of the criminals that are being caught up in this are black. And so with these black politicians say, oh, well, they're black brothers and sisters. Let them out of jail because they're black. Never mind the crimes they commit. Who are they committing the crimes upon? Other black people. And you people are so idiotic, so stupid, so blinded by your dumb ideology that you think it's okay to let black criminals back on the street because they're black, never mind they're going to terrorize the black elderly population, the black law-abiding populations of these cities. This is what's happened in New York. This is what's happened in all these other cities because a number of the criminals happen to be in a protected class, meaning they're African-Americans or they are Hispanic, oh, just let them out because it's racist to keep from What other race in humanity, what other people engages in such abject stupidity? You will not find it anywhere on earth except for American liberals. This is actually stupid. It is dumb. It is in itself racist. How in the world do you say, let's give the criminals a break because the criminals are part of my racial group, when these same criminals are going to go back on the streets and terrorize people that are in your own racial group, and you're too stupid to understand the dynamics of this? How does this even work? I have been scratching my head for years trying to figure this out. Why in the world would you allow criminals back on the street early? Because of mass incarceration. They were, I don't care what it is, Democrats come up with some word for it. Look at this battle that's going on now about gender, reaff- gender affirmation. They come up with the phrase, and then the media adopts the phrase to, to control the narrative on it. Gender affirmation, we are talking about mutilation. That's what we're talking about. Mutilation and using drugs to change the hormones within a body, all of which can have devastating effects, not only on the, phys- on the physiology of the body, but mentally of the people that are engaged in this. But they call it gender-affirming care. Like, that's supposed to make it okay. 
You call it whatever you want to call it, it is still mutilation. And you are still using drugs to impact someone in a way that nature has not intended. Now, I understand doing that, by the way, the treatment for cancer, for prostate cancer. They put you on the same drug, Lupron, that is used to do this so-called gender affirmation. The drug has been described as chemical castration. That is also what they use when they want to chemically castrate someone. Lupron. It was never intended to be used for the purposes of transgenderism. It was supposed to be used to control cancer. What the drug does, and I can tell you this from experience, what the drug does is that it mimics testosterone in the male body. So the body stops producing testosterone. Why? Because in the case of prostate cancer, for instance, testosterone fuels the growth of the cancer. So they give it to you so that your body stops producing the testosterone and gives a chance for whatever the treatment is, be it radiation or whatever, to work to get rid of the cancer. It was never in Tended to help people change genders, and the FDA has not approved it for that purpose. And by it should not even be allowed to be into use for that without going through clinical trials. It has never gone through the proper procedures to implement it on such a widespread basis. Period. But yet, everybody from the FDA. To the CDC, to everybody, they just wink, wink, nod, nod, because now it's a political issue. But in the case of this, you have liberals calling, oh, they the same way that they use language and call mutilation and chemical castration gender reaffirming. It affirms nothing. It destroys. It doesn't affirm a thing. In the same manner... They use language around this criminal justice system to try to get people, oh, we have to stop mass incarceration. The phrase doesn't even make sense. No one is rounding up thousands of criminals in mass and then taking them all to jail in mass because they're black. They are arrested one at a time for what they do. There is no mass incarceration. It is a stupid political term that the left have adopted, and the media, of course, goes right along with it. And the idea that these politicians in Washington, D.C., think it's okay to let out black criminals to terrorize black people, and when someone stands in the way, they get mad, tells you how truly twisted and sick These people have become over their own racist racial ideology. It is disgusting. And if you look at the results everywhere that this is tried, whether it's New York with criminals out of control, you see the disgusting results everywhere. 833-969-4447 to be on the phone today. 833-969-4447. James Golden, Snurley with you. Coming back. More right after this. 
Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. Celebrating the life of Wayne Shorter today, one of America's premier musicians on WABC Talk Radio 77. Let's head back to the telephone. Stu in Long Island. How are you, Stu? Welcome. Uh, oh, great. Good morning. Uh, it's interesting the conversation you had because I just had it with a good friend of mine yesterday and uh, died in the World Democrat, and they can't believe that you know this is even an issue. Uh, the transgender thing. I mean, don't we have bigger issues at hand than wondering uh, which sex uh, a person should be or they choose to be? Like you said, mutilation. It's it's mind-boggling that this is like a major issue right now, even at such a grand topic of discussion. It is amazing to me that, that as a nation, we are spending so much time and energy on it. And it is uh-huh. not. It, it is not getting... Look, this is... This is, I think, going to be one of the deciding issues in upcoming elections, whether it's 2024 or even beyond it. I think Americans are about to the point where they're getting fed up with some of this. You have these companies like Hershey's all of a sudden joining in. You have these movies from Disney, these woke movies. It is obvious that an agenda is being pressed here, but that agenda doesn't comport to common sense. There are people may not like to hear it because it no longer makes sense to them, but there are only two genders. There are only two. They're male and female. That's it. Now, there are people who don't feel comfortable, and I totally sympathize with that in a role. And even if that's the case, society does not have to be upended because people want to switch their, their because they feel more comfortable identifying as something other than what they were born. Okay, fine. But the way that this whole thing is playing out, all these pronouns, all of this talk of legislation or even this corporate sensitivity that now you have to accede uh, to people's own self, whatever it is, identification. This is actually, I think, taxing Americans' goodwill. Most Americans, I believe, and maybe I'm wrong about this, are live and let live. Like, fine, if you want to, if that's what floats your boat, okay. But don't make me get in the boat with you. Let me live my life. And right now that is being upended. And then when you see corporations investing into this ideology, it further aggravates people. When you see laws coming out, that allow boys to use bathrooms with or locker rooms with young girls. People look at this and say, are you people, this is nuts. We shouldn't be doing this. So it is, uh, it, it is, uh, it, it's, this is going to be 
a bigger political issue because you're absolutely right. I think the average American is fed up. It's like enough of the crazy already. Let's get back to some degree of normalcy. Thank you for the call, Do I appreciate it. Let us go to Nell in New Jersey. Nell, welcome. Hi. Hello, Nell. What's on your mind this Hi. morning? Well, you were talking about this uh, institute, National Institute of Health. I'd like to know what city and state it's in. Okay, the National Institute of Health. Now, they have many branches all over. I went to their main campus, and believe me, folks, their main campus is like a little city. It is in Bethesda, Maryland. In fact, the main campus is right across the street from Walter Reed Hospital in Bethesda, Maryland. But what you should do is go online, for those of you interested, and go online to NIH, and if you're seeking treatment, if you're seeking um, anything by way of that, if you want to know if you can get into one of their clinical studies, go to NIH.gov, NIH.gov. And, yes, I am a big proponent of NIH. I believe NIH is one of the things that this government does right, the National Institute of Health. Now, I understand, and I had a conversation with the Countess of Conspiracy about this. Look, I get the fact, and by the way, if you go to the main campus, one of the first things you do when you get to the building is masks are mandatory. So, okay, you mask up. By the way, they're not the only place where masks are still mandatory. Did you know that in California? If you're going to health, in, if you're going to access any health care in California, they still have you wearing masks. That's going to end on April third. I have that story somewhere, and the head of the nurse, the nurses association out there is ticked off that they're going to stop it. California, oh. Did you know, hey, Scott, you used to live in California. Yeah. They're having a massive snowstorm out there. People are trapped. People are trapped in their houses in some cases. And you know what Gavin Newsom did? He went on vacation. He took off. He's gone. French laundry time. (laughs) Yeah, Gavin. They They had snow in Napa last week. Really? In the vineyard, yeah. The the grape the the grapevines were all covered in snow. It was it was cool to see the picture of it. It's pretty unusual. Wow. So they're having this massive snowstorm. People are trapped. People are worried. This hasn't happened. I from what I hear, this level of snow in California in decades. And Gavin Newsom takes off. He's like, "Up, oh, screw this. I'm going on vacation. See you later. Have fun." Yep. All right, we got to take a break. When we come back, it's time. We're going to take the break first. When we come back, it's Camellia's time. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurdly, it's our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Don't go away. Coming right back after this. This is the Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. 
All right, Camelia, it's your turn. It's our time. It's time for what? We got to get up. We have to get up. It's yep. time for the Saturday. It's time for the Saturday morning dance. Okay, so we're getting up. Come on, Scott, get up. Everybody has to get up. All right, Camelia, what's up? All right, we're up. All right. Shake your feet out because we're getting ready to shuffle. Shake your feet out? Okay. Yep. You got a brand new dance and you got to move. All right, now, you got to talk to the All people right. at home. Tell them to what the right. to do. Everybody's got to participate. To the right. To the left. To the left. Now, kick. 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 Walk it by yourself. What does that mean? <laughs> walk around. A walk around? Walk okay. around. And then to the left. Then kick. Kick. Walk it. Walk it. To the right again. people no sitting down at home you have to get up this is camellia's dance party saturday morning dance at least she's not twerking us this morning So you have to shuffle. You know, I'm starting to get tired. <laughs> this is supposed to wake you up. Wake your muscles up. Let's go. To the okay, right. come on. To the right. To the right. To the left. To the right. To the left. Now kick. 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 Okay, walk it out. Kick. Walk it. song amazing right don't you feel yeah. good don't you feel energized all right for every week we do this at halftime in the show we're doing <laughs> the morning dance what a great way to start off the morning a morning dance so next week who is it going to be will it be scott or diego who leads the morning dance you guys have to pick your song and you have to lead the audience and us Okay. Huh, who's volunteering? Oh, Diego, Diego's volunteering. <laughs> okay, I'll volunteer. 
Oh. <laughs> <sighs> All right, next week, Diego leads us in the morning dance. That was really good. Okay, so listen. Here is a story on California. A prominent group of nurses... <laughs> A prominent group of nurses in California has slammed the plan offered by the state to roll back masking and COVID-19 vaccine requirements in healthcare settings. You all thought COVID was over, right? It's not over in California yet. The condemnation came Friday after the California Department of Public Health announced earlier in the day that it will no longer require masks to be worn indoor high-risk health care settings, nor require health care workers to be vaccinated for COVID-19 starting April 3rd. So on April 3rd, COVID officially goes away in California, and Bonnie Castillo, the executive director of the California Nurses Association, calls this a failure of public health leadership. Abandoning these standards is counterproductive and unscientific. Unscientific? Right. Is, an, is a counterproductive and unscientific approach to curbing the spread and evolution of COVID-19. This decision endangers the health and safety of nurses and other healthcare workers. It hurts their ability to access personal protective equipment from employers and ultimately exacerbates the healthcare staffing crisis that political leaders have vowed to tackle. The release states the association will notify the hospitals and clinics that employ their 100,000 members of their continued responsibilities to protect nurses and other health care workers. This is an attack on frontline health care workers who now face greater risk of COVID-19 infections, reinfections, and long covid says Kathy Kennedy, the president of the association. It's surreal that political leaders would put nurses, patients, and community members at greater risk of developing chronic conditions like heart disease, stroke risk, diabetes, pulmonary embolism, cognitive impairment, and long-term immune dysfunction. Wow, those sounds like all the things some people say you can get from taking the jab. I'm just saying. Um, Okay. They are not the only ones. Oregon and Washington states will soon drop their mask requirements in healthcare settings. That was also announced yesterday. Mandates in both states will end on April 3rd. So guess what? All along the left coast of America... COVID ends in Washington, in Oregon, and California on the same day. The mandates mean healthcare workers, patients, and visitors will no longer be required to wear masks in facilities, including hospitals, urgent care centers, dental, and doctor's offices. 
So there you go. Now, also, this one from the Los Angeles Times today. California gave up on mandating COVID vaccines for school children, and that's wise. Here's why that's wise. This is an opinion piece. In the Los Angeles Times, California Supreme Court decided last week, reaffirmed that individual school districts lack the authority to require students to be vaccinated against COVID-19. A few weeks before that, Newsom's administration confirmed they had abandoned plans to require all school children to be vaccinated. But get this paragraph. Unlike the other vaccines required for school enrollment in California, the COVID vaccines are unreliable at preventing infection or transmission providing at best modest protection against infection for only a couple of months. In contrast, the vaccines that all are already required for school attendance, such as those for measles, mumps, rubella, polio, reliably prevent outbreaks when local vaccination rates reach a certain threshold. And they go on to say that they've never had any evidence that these va- these COVID vaccines would work like those other vaccines, that they would provide a high degree of lasting protection against infection and transmission. Well, then ask yourself the question, if they're not reliable, if they don't provide long-term in- 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 against infection or transmission, then what are they for? I mean, folks, do you understand? This is an admission that many people in this country have been duped. It's right out here. Look, they don't prevent. There's no evidence that they prevent infection, or transmission. At best, maybe you get some protection for a few months. That's what they're saying here. So we're not going to force kids any longer. Any longer. We've already forced them, but we're going to stop forcing kids to take these. Do you understand what has happened here? Do you understand the farce? Now, by the way, there is a big fight going on in D.C. Because now what had been called a conspiracy theory before has been put into a reformal report from inside the Biden administration that COVID came from the Wuhan lab. And it was a leak from the Wuhan lab. So you have all of these political commentators on the left, especially over there at PMSNBC, who are saying this is just right-wing conspiracy stuff. Now the government is acknowledging what many of us have known for a long time, 
that this was released through a lab in Wuhan. What is still not being said is whether it was an intentional or an accidental leak. But we do know that China is culpable for it. We've known this all along, but now the government is admitting it. And so what happens now? Joe Biden was asked a question yesterday, and he turned and walked away, refused to answer. The question was, are you going to hold China accountable for COVID? He turned and refused to answer. I have one question for you. What do you think they're so afraid of? Why is everybody dancing around and have been from the beginning of actually calling out the Chinese government on what they have done to the world with COVID? And where are we going to get the answers from, whether this was an accidental leak or whether it was a biological weapon that was allowed to spread around the world? When will that investigation happen? Who will hold China to account? Anybody? Do you think anybody has the guts to do it? 833-969-4447 is our telephone number today. 833-969-4447. You can dial it as I'm giving it. I'll do it slowly. 833-969-4447. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley, our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. I think I've caught my breath back from our morning dance. Camilla, thank you. Diego's going to lead morning dance next week, and we're coming back right after this. WABC. When sunny gets blue, her eyes get gray and cloudy. Will Downing. Then the rain begins to fall. Brings us back on our Saturday morning extravaganza here on WABC. It's a little misty outside, right? Love is gone, so what can matter? Those we love are mad. Some violins are playing 
Yeah, I love Will Downing, and I've decided that we're going to play a little bit more Will Downing here. If you're not familiar with him, Will Downing has one of the best voices. He's been out for decades. He's been here. I first heard him like maybe 20 years ago. But he's got so many albums, and so many of them are songs that I enjoy and that you will enjoy. So if you're new to Will Downing, hope you're enjoying him. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurdly, here on WABC at Saturday morning. Let us head back to the telephones. E. Frank has been listening for a while and been on hold for a while from Astoria. How you doing, E. Frank? Welcome this morning. Yes, uh, James. Uh, it's been a, it's a pleasure to speak to you this morning. Uh, first and foremost, I want to give my uh, congratulations to uh, now retired Sergeant uh, John um, uh, that, uh, John O'Hara, who left the aviation unit yesterday. I remember quite vividly the incident. Uh, I was uh, leaving junior year in high school when I heard that Larry Davis uh, did an atrocious act against him, and I'm very happy that he was able to um, um, retire with 42 years of service. It's a good, big, big feat, and uh, I congratulate him on that. Um, but, you know, uh, James, I just want to tell you, I feel very bad that you have a negative view on what the police can or cannot do and that you believe, and I'm not putting words in your mouth, Mr. Golden, but you believe that, that we are at a point now where the violence in our country is out of control and the police are outmanned, and they have no recourse to defend the civilians and innocent individuals from criminals who are very well mastered in killing people and damaging your goods. Now, I'm going to tell you something. I uh, happen to have worked with NYPD as a civilian volunteer. Uh, I had a gun planted uh, against me so that someone else can use it and shoot me in the back of the head. I had individuals who would break car windows and laugh at me when I was in uniform out in my local streets here in Astoria. Okay, but you know what? Those things happen, and if you're a smart officer and you have good training, you know how to deal with them, and plus, you know, you have to be very brave. Sometimes the job is very easy. Sometimes it's very difficult and impossible. It's very stressful. You see police suicide. I quit. Because I saw that the reforms during the David Dinkins administration and Lee P. Brown were not successful, so I left. But I, I can come back someday, and it doesn't matter to me. But I avoided that the issue of police suicide, stress, and other factors, as a, just as a volunteer. A member of service has to deal with a lot more things. And I come to the conclusion that... So you say I'm I have a negative have view. Before it be... Hey, Frank, Stop. Before you go further, you say I have a negative view about what police can and cannot do, right? You, you said that, right? Yeah. Bring it back up. Bring it back up. All right. Let me let me just say this. So you you, you made you level that assertion. So let me just back it up and say I don't have a negative view of what police can and cannot do. I have a very balanced view of law enforcement. Law enforcement cannot prevent a lot of the crimes from happening if you put if you keep overloading the system with criminals. If you keep this catch-and-release program, which is what Democrats in every major city are doing and makes no sense, and the police will, themselves are on record, and you can read this in any number of news articles where they are feeling overwhelmed because 
they pick up these people for committing, in some cases, violent crimes, and within hours or days or a few days, they're back on the streets again, and they're arresting the same individuals. You, all you have to do is look at the soaring crime rates in every American blue city, and you see that police are being overwhelmed, and you see that the citizens of those places are being tormented. I just mentioned earlier, there's, and I think it's in Oregon, one in Portland, that Walmart is closing some of their stores. We had a reports a few weeks ago about how bank ATMs in Atlanta are shutting down because of crime, and they don't want in certain neighborhoods. Okay, the evidence is out here that criminals are actually benefiting from this lack of enforcement and these lax bail reforms that have happened in New York that they're trying to also impose in D.C. So I don't have a negative view. I have a realistic view of what's going on in our society right now. Go ahead. Well, you you, you see it that way. Okay, you see it that way, and I'll explain what you're trying to see. Uh, that Yeah, sure. You're going to explain what I'm trying to see. Oh, hold on, hold on. You are going to explain to me what I'm trying to see. Okay. No, I see well, things sure. the way I see them because that's how they are happening. Okay, and now you can dispute what you think and what you see, but you can't tell me what I see, Frank, with all all due respect. I'm looking at, I look at news every day, almost of my life, and what we are seeing is reflected in the actual numbers in what's happening in these cities. Nobody's making this stuff up. It's happening. Crime rates are soaring. Murder rates are soaring. There's an increase in violent crimes in most of these cities. This isn't make-believe. It's happening. And more Americans are arming themselves because they are afraid of what happens, and they know that the police cannot protect them in many areas of this country. So this is not make-believe stuff. Nobody's making this up. Well, okay, we, we, I understand what you just told me, but I also, as you said, that what I see is not probably what you realistically are looking at. I see this. I see that we have a bureaucratic police department with sergeants, lieutenants, captains, unions. They have to all answer to each other, and sometimes criminals know how the police operate, and sometimes there's lack of manpower because family issues, uh, a, a cop is on unlimited sick leave. So criminals see like uh, a gap, and they take advantage. And then the officers, they, say, uh, they, they blame officers of the law of not responding or doing their job. When, you know, you see that they have other responsibilities, they're not playing, they're not corrupt individuals, there are less corrupt officers in, in police departments throughout our country now, they're more responsible than ever. But then, you know, a few weeks later, days later, you see officers on the National Police Memorial, and you try to save the officer's life, but criminals took advantage of the facts that they they found gaps where they can take advantage of officers. Look, the criminal element is going to be the criminal element, and that's who they are. You know, now, one thing I just want to be clear here, I support law enforcement in this country, okay? And we, but I don't support rogue policing. And there is enough rogue policing going on that needs to be contained. 
And I'm not going to just turn the blind eye to that because I'm a conservative, and I'm not going to knee-jerk my way through and just say, oh, 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 the police are right every time they do something. No, there are case, in fact, there's a case in Utah right now where a, a motorist was stopped. This happens to be a white kid, so it's not national news. And, and he was killed, and his parents are demanding answers. How was he murdered, they're saying, on at a traffic stop? And I don't know all of the specifics there, so I'm not weighing in one way or another. I know that it's an ongoing case, and they're demanding answers. But overall, you know, of course we support law enforcement and what they're doing. There is the Democrat Party that is undermining law in this country. And the citizens who live in these cities are the ones that are bearing the brunt of this lax on crime attitude that has infected these Democrat cities, including New York. Hour number three coming up. We're going to, yeah, we're going to talk with Rhonda. And we're going to continue your phone calls at 833-969-4447. Don't go away. It's our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. We'll be right back. It's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC, the crown jewel of American radio. Welcome to our number three, our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. Great to be back. I had to take off a few days this week. Very unusual. Feels good to be back. WABC Talk Radio 77. We are the crown jewel of American radio. Larry Kudlow comes up after this later tonight. Cousin Brucie, the music radio W. You know what I had to talk with? Uh, Jay Clark. Now, a lot of people don't, and this is inside radio business stuff. Jay Clark was the uh, operations director, the, the, the right underneath the GM, the head honcho at WABC. When I was my first stint with WABC as music director and music research director, and I had a chance to catch up with Jay on the telephone this week. And, man, it was such a pleasure to speak with him. He was at, right before we went talk, in fact, he was the operations manager that that oversaw the switch of us going from a music station to a talk station. And Jay is, Jay is um, he's getting up there in years, but he's still healthy. And, and we just had a great chat. And so uh, what a week this has been. And, and we have with us. One caffeinated, <laughs> small caffeinated mom. Rhonda Schrock, how are you, Rhonda? Good to hear your voice. It's been a hell of a week. It has been, James, and I was going to say, it is so good to hear your voice again. You were on my mind um, this week as you were out. And, of course, your beloved Diana. My my condolences and my prayers have been going out for her. Uh, what a time. And you said, you said it, um, life and death, they kind of just get all intertwined, don't they? And it's like this bitter bitterness and sweetness that just make up our our lives. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, yeah, you you were describing a lot of pain and suffering, actually. Um, you know, as you were going through your cancer journey, you were experiencing physical pain, um, and now you know, rush and your mom passing away and your your bird. Things that 
things and people that were precious to you. That's a different kind of pain. This week, oddly enough, I had two different conversations with two different friends about the topic of suffering. And one of them said something interesting to me. She said, I'm thinking on the fact that suffering is important. I had never put it quite like that, but she was right. And here's the reason that suffering is important. Suffering isn't bad, but it is hard. And suffering can bring good into our lives. You have mentioned that but it again. You said that the cancer came bearing gifts or something like that. One of them was the excellent treatment that you got. But I'm sure that you could list for me some other gifts that your cancer journey brought you. Oh, yeah. I don't like like yeah. what what would come to your mind? I'm just curious <laughs> what that suffering did for you, if you don't mind sharing, James. Well, it gets a little personal, but but I will oh. tell you since you asked. No, I'll tell you. I'm hearing an echo somewhere. So, oh, okay. But, yeah, hold just hold on a second. But okay, so for me, the cancer brought a re-examination of my life, and I realized that I wasn't being, this is a phrase that, that that people use these days, the best me or whatever it is that it was. Mm-hmm. But I realized that I was falling short in a lot of mm-hmm. my personal, uh, the, the way that I lived my life. I didn't, and, and, and things that I had excused in myself. And so I had to do a complete re-up on, on truth, on, you know, on, on honesty of being honest to me and honest to God, you know, because you can justify a lot of things. Things happen to you in life, and then you can, um, you know, you can make changes in your life that are not necessarily healthy or wholesome, and you just blame it on the fact that you've been scarred by different things. But Mm -hmm. when it's time to seriously take a look at the mirror, you realize you can realize where you're going short, and that's that's what going through that journey did for me. It was... It was a blessing, and it all has always been a blessing. The people at NIH, I am telling you, you people have no idea how profound it is when you are. I my entire health team at NIH composed it was comprised of about forty different people. Can you imagine that? About forty wow. people looking after you, taking care of you. And, and, and then the people that I, and, and some of them you only may see once or twice, but it's still this, this, this profound group of people. And you really can tell when people care about you and care about what you do. You can tell the difference. And for me, being at NIH was amazing because at the time I was railing against national health care. Mm-hmm. It's like, uh, uh, socialized medicine. A national health care. Now, look, I'm still not a proponent of socialized medicine, right? <laughs> the way that the, the right. way that liberals want to socialize it. But at the same time, I have come to understand that just because something is done by the government doesn't mean that it's everything that the government does is bad. NIH is an example of something that's been done right. And the people that, that the the way that the in, the institutional uh, 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 protocols that are in place there are amazing for healthcare delivery, 
And, and now what my friend Connie Hare told me, because we we had many heated talks about this, she says you have to remember that this isn't the way that national health care would look if it were rolled out to the country. And my response to that is, but my response to that is, but it should be if it were rolled out to the country. Mm-hmm. And I'm not suggesting that we, look, I still pay privately just so everybody gets it. I pay out of my own pocket for most of my health care. So I've never been one to say, oh, government largesse and just lean on the government. But there are certain areas in this. I was in a clinical study, and so some of the things that were done are are leading edge. And, boy, were they invasive. <laughs> but but yeah. it was amazing. Well, you know what? My hunch is that as your journey took you, into that group of amazing people who impacted your life, I would suspect that your life also impacted theirs. And that's what suffering does. It, when your path takes that kind of a turn, it does put you cross your path with other people that you would never have met had that not happened to you. And you have the opportunity to learn from them, and they have the blessed gift of learning from, from you, too. And and after that, you now have that experience of you know what it feels like, you know how it is, and you can uniquely relate to anyone else who comes along behind you on the cancer path, right? You're able to comfort and encourage from the from the perspective of, I have been there. And I, yeah. I love what you said about what how it changed you fundamentally. That's that's the great good in suffering. I know that the different things that I have suffered in my life have done that for me. They have refined me. They have strengthened my faith. They have made me much more compassionate. It's like my heart was just crushed into powder with my son's journey and other things that had happened. And because I I put the pieces of my broken heart, all of those pieces, into the hands of God, and when he knit me back together, it was like that heart was so stretchy and big, and it's just by the minute it stretches bigger, and more and more and more people just find their way right into my beating heart. And I know it's my suffering that tenderized me. So I would do it again. I would go through the hard things again because of that just delight that is brought into my life through the people that I have met and learned to love. So while you're speaking this, I just got a, a, a direct message that says, we love because he loved us first. We care because he cares for us. And if you yes. look through the spiritual literature now, and this is not just limited to Christianity, if you look to other sources, you will see the same thing said about suffering. The suffering purifies the soul. That it, yeah. it helps in purifying the soul. And all yeah. of us, let's face facts, all of us have to go through this. These deaths, as painful as they are, the grief that comes from them, but the appreciation yeah. for life that I'm finding right now when mm, you go through these I'm periods so of grief and you see that this, and, and, and even with that, even with that, you know, you think every time there's a new baby born, well, that baby at birth is sentenced to death, just like all of us. We are all have to confront this. We all have to confront the fact that we are mortal, that this isn't going to yeah. last forever, that it's quick, 
that our life is yeah. really just, I, I call it a, a wisp of time that we live in. Because if you it look at, at, at the, compared to what we believe, uh, we, most of us can't even wrap our, our, our heads around something that is quote unquote eternal. But if you look at where we are at, just in comparison to, let's say you, you, you subscribe to the idea, as I do that, the earth is maybe 4.55 billion years old and you look at our own lifespan, incredibly short. And, but yet we, we, and we have so much grief when we lose somebody, but out of that grief also comes an awareness too that our own time here is limited and that we have to make the best yeah. of it. And, and then right. our hopes and aspirations are also passed on to those that will, that we bring the after us. And so it is, you is have to go goal. through this admixture of grief and love and hope and renewal. All of these things are vitally important for us. If we, and, and it's also vitally important that we not ignore them, that we take the, that we take whatever time is necessary to explore that grief, as painful as it may be. Yes, that, that is so true. We, we can never completely avoid suffering. All we can do is choose what we will do with it. Because, like I've said, the water that, uh, Boils the, hardens the egg, softens the potato. So it will harden us or it will soften us. It's yeah. our choice. And I never so heard that have, one before. The water that, the water that boils, the, the that, water well, that, that hardens, hardens the, the egg, egg will soften the softens. potato. Yes. The loveliest chapter, I think, perhaps in all of the Bible is Psalms 23. And that comes to my mind when I'm discouraged or suffering that valley of the shadow of death that the psalmist talked about is a very narrow place. I picture it in my mind as two steep rock walls. There's room for one person at a time to walk through. But in the walking through, there's so much that sort of gets scraped off of you. And it's all the things that need to come off. That's what I have experienced. And when you come through that valley of the shadow of death, it opens into a beautiful, wide, and spacious pasture of green and i saw finally one day that there had been all along a shepherd walking me through it mm. lovely well Rhonda, i know that you yeah. are we came to you a little bit early because i know you're visiting college this week <laughs> yeah. you want to tell everybody where you are free. I am at Hillsdale College for the Spring Parent Weekend, which looks more like a blizzard, but it's always a delight to be on campus. I've, I could see Christ Chapel from the conference room that I'm talking to you from. Hillsdale is just the most delightful place. We have a son who will be graduating from Hillsdale this spring, so our days on campus are numbered, but we will always love Hillsdale with all of our hearts. It's been such a delight to our entire family. True. Oh, wonderful. I'm glad. I hope you enjoy the rest of the weekend. We look forward to catching up with you during the week. Thank you so much, James. I'm glad you're back. Thank you. And America's you know, Small Cat from it. We love you too. Thank you, Rhonda. Thank you so much. Thank you. Mm -hmm. James Golden, yeah. AK Stern, here with you. It's our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. We're coming back. More of your calls are coming up. 800 8. Well, no, I started to give the real number. It's not working today. 800. So the number 833. Nine six nine four 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 seven eight three three nine six nine four 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 seven.
Our radio extravaganza continues. Don't go away. All alone with me, I were waiting for the sunlight. When I feel cold, you're warm. And when I feel I can't go on, you come and hold me. It's you and me forever. Saturday morning radio extravaganza is in your ears. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. John Cicada brings us back. On our Saturday morning radio extravaganza, if you want to be on the telephone with us, a new number this morning... 833-969-4447. We should get the Spanish version of this. I have the Spanish version of this, but I... You know what? You're right. We should put it in the library. I love... You know what? This album by Cicada, he has another song on here called um, Bria. Well, what is it? Um, anyway, it is... Uh, he does a Spanish version of that, too. And it's so awesome. I'll make a note of that. What? It's white nationalist Scott talking about bring the Spanish version on. I like the Spanish version of this. Me too. <laughs> I can't figure out if it was written in Spanish or it was or which it was if it was translated to English or it was translated to Spanish. That's when you know a song is great, right? Because I have to say, I Scott exactly the same. I listened to it and I love the Spanish version of this. Just as much as I love the English version of it, and it's just amazing. Let's go to the telephones. Tony in Hamilton Township, New Jersey. How are you, Tony? All right, I'm great. And you, uh, can I, Bo, can I call you Bo? Of course you can. Uh, James, uh, listen. Uh, I've been with you a long time. Uh, I'm just first time caller, but uh, your show is great. I enjoy listening to you. You're spot on on all the issues. Uh, I appreciate uh, you getting your voice getting out to the people. I just try to. I'm, what I'm trying to do is get more people to listen to WABC and yourself on the radio. And uh, or today is a little different in that uh, you ha- you share that personal experience and also two uh, condolences to. The, uh, the team there, Michael, uh, Princess Di, and congratulations to you on uh, the birth of your uh, grandson. And uh, but uh, what really hit home to me today was your uh, your personal experience with your prostate uh, 
cancer, right? And uh, yeah. so uh, I'm of that age. And so, you know, with uh, Bernie passing away, uh, you know, that kind of hit home. And that also, too, uh, uh, got me to uh, go back to the doctor and get myself tested, et cetera. And so now I'm uh, doing a regular follow-up with my urologist, et cetera. But uh, what was nice in that uh, great information that you provided today about the uh, the Institute of uh, National Institute of Health for another friend of mine who is uh, going through a cancer situation that I'm going to share with you. Uh, thanks to you to bring that up. My wife, another cancer survivor. Uh, you know, fortunately, we got the right, the right, uh, the right information. You know, leukemia, brain tumor, skin cancer, colon cancer in the last five years. But you know, with the faith, I'm going. We're going forward. My wife's strong. And uh, thanks to you for all that you do in your uh, in your job at uh, WABC, and uh, I want you to continue doing a great job. Wow, Tony, thank you very so so very much for everything that you you said. I appreciate that very much. Yes, and if you didn't miss the yeah, first, you're, mm-hmm. You're, uh, and also too, you know, uh, you know all this political stuff. But I'm glad you shared. Uh, that's why uh that's what I like, you know, you're spot on. I think you're even though, you know, okay, yeah, I'm conservative. I got my uh I got you know, I'm, I'm I could be biased to a point, but uh, you know what? Hey, uh you're uh you know, it's it, I think these are the right uh, ideals that we have and uh you know, we got to share them with everybody. Thank you. Thank you for the call, Tony. I do appreciate it. Uh, if you missed the first hour, we do uh, send our condolences to our very own Princess Diana. Princess Di hasn't been with us for a number of weeks now. Uh, she was taking care of her husband, Mike Loco. Mike had to have surgery, and sadly, Mike passed this week. And um, uh, Mike was a is was a very 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 dear friend of mine, and and. I met him, of course, after he, after he and Princess Di got married. And I wasn't sure Mike liked me the first time we, we met. But we became, we became buds. In fact, I would end up talking to Mike more than I would talk with, with Princess Di many, many times. And, um, I am heartbroken that Mike, Michael Loco has passed. He was a giant of a man in more ways than one. He was such a kind human being. And there are so many, Diana said when I talked to her this week that in between crying and, and being in the grief state, that every time people start talking stories about Mike, it always ends up in laughter. So it's laughter and tears at the same time. And of course, our, our own Derek Hunter, who's usually with us during the seven o'clock hour. Derek Hunter lost his dad this week and our prayers, uh, go to Derek and of course to our very own Princess Di, who we love both. And, uh, we appreciate, of course, their contributions to the show, but more importantly, we appreciate who they are, the people that they are, just wonderful people. And, of course, you know, the grief that comes losing somebody I know all too well. So our condolences to our Princess Di. And we love you, Princess Di. We love you, Mike and Derek. We love you too, Derek. There's a more political news this week. 
New York City spending $5 million a day, a day, a day, $5 million a day. Can you imagine, can you imagine having it like that where you could spend $5 million a day and just keep going? New York is spending $5 million a day to house and feed thousands of migrants. That's from the New York Post. Here is the James Golden version. New York City is spending nearly $5 million a day to house and feed thousands of illegal immigrants. But the Big Apple is barely getting a diamond aid from President Biden and Kathy Hochul. No surprise there. Joe Biden is responsible for the for the surge of illegal immigration. No surprise there. Here's a story. You can find this at the Free Beacon today. Two suspected illegal immigrants killed a bald eagle for dinner. Federal authorities don't seem to care. Two suspected illegal immigrants shot and killed a bald eagle with the intention of cooking it for dinner. The town sheriff whose department arrested them says federal authorities who could keep them behind bars won't even bother to return their calls. This is Stanton County, Nebraska. Residents disturbed and offended that the county sheriff, Mike Unger, told the Washington Free Beacon as of right now the two suspects are allowed to roam the country freely. They've been released. They were charged with misdemeanors. Nebraska law dictates the pair can't be held in jail before their trial on March 28th. Yeah, fat chance they'll show up for that. The murder of the once endangered bald eagle, the national bird of the United States, occurred February 28th. Officers who came to a scene discovered two Honduran nationals carrying the dead bird. They spoke no English, carried no form of identification other than documents from the Honduran consulate. Now, killing a bald eagle is against federal law. In fact, in June, a 79-year-old Ohio man pleaded guilty to killing a bald eagle while hunting groundhogs on his property. He was forced to pay $10,000 fine to the court and another $10,000 in restitution to the Fish and Wildlife Service. He's barred from hunting. But he's an American citizen, so he has to follow the law. If you come here illegally, the law doesn't apply. I keep saying Americans are second-class citizens in their own country, and you are. You're here illegally. Just go ahead and kill bald eagle. Never mind. We're not going to charge you. Oh, you wanted it for dinner? Okay, no worries. Government doesn't even bother to call back the county sheriff. Yep, this is the new America. WABC Talk Radio 77 back. More of your calls coming up. We've got more items in the news coming up. Saturday morning radio extravaganza continues here on WABC.
It's the Saturday Morning Radio Extravaganza. Now, here's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. So Collins brings us back on WABC, our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. True colors. Well, I'm just in the mood for some Phil Collins. I love Phil Collins. I think they made a South Park about you. Really? No way. Phil, they're both Phil Collins. People that like Phil Collins. What about us? <laughs> oh, we like lame old. No, they weren't very. They just weren't very kind to Phil Collins in the episode. When is South Park kind to anyone? True. Yeah, I didn't see what they did with uh, Harry and Meghan. It's really not that. It's pretty tame by South Park standards. Really? Yeah, I watched it last week. It's, I mean, it's okay. I, I, I can't believe that they're going to make a big deal about it. Yeah, well, I don't even do the Harry and Meghan stuff. Apparently, they're getting kicked out of their castle. And so, between that, and you know what else? What else I didn't didn't really participate in? Um, um, the that murder case that is oh, like all over the yeah. headlines. Is yeah, that lawyer? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like the, was that the Idaho one or was that the other? I don't know. The I, one I just, in Cal, uh, the North Carolina, Alex Murdaugh. Yeah, 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 yeah. That guy. I just, I mean, I see the headlines every day, and I'm like, I don't know. I'm maybe I'm just too callous. I'm like, I, oh. I don't know how they decide which of these murder. You know, like how many murders are there every day in this country? How do they just pick some out and just decide to follow them? Step by step. Well, you know, uh, Greg Kelly was also saying the same thing all last week uh, when I did his show. He's like, why is this being broadcasted? But then yesterday he came in and he said, you know what? I watched the Netflix documentary on the murder and now I'm obsessed. So maybe there's there's some sort of detail or the story or something that we're intrigued about. Oh, it was a Netscape murder. Maybe. A Netflix murder. (laughs) A Netflix murder, yeah. Yeah, okay. So it got TV coverage, and that's why, yeah, it was, it was like, okay. Because I kept saying the same thing. Why is this murder, like, why is this at the top of the splash page on the web, on the news websites every well, day? It was like the Florida thing where the where the girl, you know, got murdered by her boyfriend in 
wherever that was, Arches National Park, and then there's all this and that back and forth, and it was like, oh, why Gabby, did they pick the, Gabby? Yeah, Gabby Petito. Petito. Yeah. yeah, why was that picked out to be a national story? Well, that was well. I think I personally think that was just um, that was interesting because the boyfriend just. They went on a national road trip, and he just came back without her, as if nothing happened. Yeah, but I mean, but think about that. People that go happens on, all the time. People go on cruises and come back without somebody. Really? In fact, that, that, one that time I was. Often. In fact, go I was. I, I used to joke. I used to joke. I used to tell. I just used to joke and tell some of my female friends if a guy wants to take you on a cruise, be very, very careful before you say yes. Because don't you remember there was a time when these all these people going overboard and stuff over on these cruise ships? And I like cruising. I'm going on the Mark Stein cruise in July. But, um, yeah, Mark Stein is, we're going to the uh, Adriatic Sea. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, Montenegro, Croatia, and stuff like that. Yeah, you can get your Mark Stein, S-T-E-Y-N, online for that. And while I'm doing shameless promotional plugs... Uh, check out the Daily BS. That's our twice a day news blast. My personal, uh, twice a day news blast. It's growing by leaps and bounds. We send out stories in the morning and the afternoon. It's called the Daily BS, the Daily, Bosnerly, the Daily BS dot com. And you can also find me on Twitter at Bosnerly, S N E R D L E Y. So you can check us out there. We just broke over 500,000 folks on Twitter, which is really kind of cool. Yeah, but Scott, you raise an interesting question. How do these stories? How how do you how do these stories rise up? I can never figure out if it's organic or if there's if it's a coordinated. You know, there's a morning phone call. Hey, this one looks really interesting. I mean, people always say that about conservative media too. It's like, well, they, they a daily a daily thinking. conference, a daily right. meeting. Like, oh, let's let's find <laughs> out which which one we're gonna put on the I public today. I used to think that about. I used to think that about conservative talk shows, but I realize we're all kind of drawing from the same material. So, no, we're not. I draw from different materials than everybody else. It's still. Yeah. Okay. So, so Brian, <laughs> my, my friend Brian Darty says. By the way, the press never mentioned this, but Alex Murdoch is a super donor to the Democrat Party. Oh, Ooh. baby. He's a super donor to the Democrat Party in the union to fight. And Hillary, he, he just sent me a story from Fox News. Thanks, Brian. Alex Murdoch, old money. So this is from 2021. South Carolina Democrat knew how to play political game in red state. Ah, once prominent Democrat in South Carolina, hundreds of thousands of dollars of political donations over the years. Ah, contributions, Joe Biden, Hillary Clinton. Whoa, didn't know that. See, I didn't keep it. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. And then Lisa says, what is this? You won't get on. Okay. South Park wasn't kind to her. <laughs> to who? To Lisa. I call Lisa my pimp. Oh. <laughs> Lisa's my business partner. She pimps me out. <laughs> and said South Park did an episode on pimp. It was so funny. And you saw that one, right, with Butters? When Butters becomes like a super bad pimp? Yeah, I think I remember that. Yeah, that was... <laughs> 
Yes, I know what you are saying. <laughs> okay, Bank of America. Did you know this at the Bank of America? Worked with the federal government to track gun owners' purchases. Did you know that? Uh-huh. The room goes silent. Bank of America worked with the FBI to investigate investigate customers. Can you imagine this? This is really happening in America, people. The Bank of America worked with the Federal Bureau of Investigation to investigate customers who made purchases with a BOA credit and debit or debit card around January 6th. And they pushed those who had made the gun purchases to the top of the list. Daily News Foundation. You can find that story at BizPack Review today. Hey, John Fetterman is in the news. Scott, did is you he know? out? Is he out of the uh, asylum? Now, funny you should ask. He's not in a mental asylum. Institution. No. What would you call the place where he is? I, I'm hesitating because I'm like, well... Isn't he just like it, like one of the government hospitals? I don't know, but I mean, he is in a. I mean, yeah, he's at Walter Reed. Isn't he in the modern day equivalent of what would be considered a mental institution? No, he's at Walter Reed, okay. but he is okay. being treated for depression, and we hope that he makes a complete recovery. But here is the headline. This is from American Wire News. Oh, I think I know. Is this where he co-sponsored the bill? Yes. <laughs> yes. And then everyone that questions how he co-sponsored the bill gets blocked on Twitter. Yes. <laughs> I like that story. Yeah. Yeah. Funny. So here's the senator who's been. Where did you say he is? You said he's in the asylum. Right. He's not in it, but. Nonetheless, he was able to co-sponsor a bill <clears throat> somehow in the Senate. And people that are questioning, wait a minute, he's in the hospital being treated for clinical depression. How is he co-sponsoring a bill? But if you question that, you're the and problem. And there could be a very reasonable answer to that, but there's no, no one wants to talk What's about the it. answer? I, I don't know. I mean, it could be, well, I mean, they could just come back. Well, yeah, I mean, he's he's got plenty of free time. You know, he's got uh, recreation time from noon to three every day, and he does some legislation in his free time. But they're not saying that. They're just blocking you if you ask the question. Have you ever wanted to go to Columbia University? You know, Columbia is one of New York's primo universities. Have you ever wanted to go to Columbia? Actually, yeah. I, have a, I know someone who works there. And she says that if you work there, you get tuition-free. Well, you don't work there, but if you want to go, now your chances are pretty damn good because they are no longer using the SATs or the ACT as admission requirements. You don't have to do standardized testing. They're lowering the standards. So this is like, come on in. The water's great. Don't worry about the test. They have permanently dropped SAT and ACT standardized tests. The Columbia College and School of Engineering and Applied Science, doesn't this make you feel better? Are all tests optional for all applicants? Applicants no longer have to send in SAT scores or ACT scores. They're going to be the first of the Ivy League schools to go completely test optional. What does that say? Nikki Haley, you know CPAC is going on this weekend. Nikki Haley got heckled by Trump supporters. They surrounded her after her speech there and just shouted, we love Trump, we love Trump. 
We love Trump. Rick Scott, Senator Rick Scott, also at CPAC, he gave a rousing speech challenging the turtle, Mitch McConnell, the turtle. That's what Rush used to call Senate Majority Leader, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell. And Rick Scott in his speech said, we cannot put up, we cannot put up with this BS anymore. He admitted he might be nuts for trying to challenge Mitch McConnell, but he said America can no longer put up with BS. Everybody in Washington said I was nuts. I might be, but we can't put up with this BS any longer that's coming out of the Senate. Have you heard about the New York Times journalist that got spit on? Yeah, well, there's... There's this big fight going on about the, of course, transgender stuff, and there's some New York Times journalist upset with other journalists because they actually printed some things about transgenderism and the quote-unquote gender-affirming care mutilation. And so they're, they're ticked off. Well, one of these reporters was spat on by an activist in the streets And believe it or not, that act isn't being condemned widespread. From the Los Angeles Times, 15 people have been arrested. Fraudulent benefit cards. These are the guys that are making up phony EBT cards and stealing people's money. Now I have a question for you. How is it that the government can have an EBD card that can be easily hacked? People are hacking their government welfare cards. Think about that for a minute. The government is issuing welfare cards that can be hacked. Is this a state program? No, this is for the food stamps. More than 300 uh, police officers, federal agents, arrested... Rough uh, people, they've been monitoring about 20 ATMs across the country. And this is part of a fraud crackdown. Get it. They're calling it Operation Urban Justice. (laughs) Urban Justice. We can't have urban music, but urban justice, no problem. Right. We can have urban justice. Let's get the welfare, urban, the urban welfare cards. They've, they recovered 429 fake EBT cards and 129000 bucks in cash. Eleven of the 15 people arrested are Romanian nationals. Weird. Yep. Here's some good news before we head to the break, and we're coming back with phone calls. A major university, A&M in Texas, Texas A&M, has said they are no longer allowing diversity statements to be considered when weighing applications for hire. From now on, they are only going to hire on the basis of merit. Never mind all this stuff about diversity. Screw that. We're just going to hire the best people. O-M, you know, this is a game changer. I'm telling you, this stuff is reaching a breaking point in our society. 800, well, no. 833-969-4447 is the number to call. Coming back to your calls on our Saturday morning radio extravaganza.
and informative. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snerdly, is on the air. 77 WABC. Celebrating the life of Wayne Shorter today. One of America's greatest musicians has passed away. Co-founder of this group, the Supergroup, Weather Report. This, of course, this went beyond jazz. I remember watching, uh, there was a New York local show on TV, on ABC, used to use This Is The Theme. And this song is used in so many different places. This is, of course, the Weather Report hit. Amazing, a jazz fusion hit. But this is Birdland. Weather Report. Joe Zawinul, Wayne Shorter, Jaco Pistorius in the mix on this one. We'll be back, by the way, on Monday for our regular Bo Snerly's Rush Hour. Make sure you're here. Tell your friends about it, too. Let's go back to the telephones. Let's go out with this one today, You from from this point. Yes, Sandra in New Jersey. How are you? Welcome, Sandra. How are you? Oh, good. Welcome back. I missed you this week. Um... And my condolences go out to Diana. I really feel sorry for what happened to her husband. Um, you know, you were talking this morning about um, the Wuhan lab and how someone approached Biden and he walked away. Of course he's going to walk away because, you know, he's in bed with China. We all know that. So I think when Donald Trump becomes president, and I sure hope he does, maybe then we might get the truth. And then you were talking about the vaccinations, not for young kids. I say not for anyone who doesn't choose it. It's just like the flu shot. You want the flu shot? Get it. You don't? You don't. And I wanted to say one more thing. Clifford Newman, um, he's the judge for the Murdoch trial. You know, I learned that his son passed away, and his son is 40 years old, and he's very active politically. I think he was a congressman or something. But... That's not the point. I looked up, how did he die? He had a cardiac arrest, blood clot of the heart. So then I say, there goes another person. Did, you mean he suddenly person. died? Yeah. He, he, he suddenly died. Yep. So you know, mm-hmm. yeah. suddenly died is becoming one of the major forms of death, not only in the United States, but around the world. People just suddenly die otherwise healthy people suddenly die huh and and so far we're not getting word from any of the institutions of government whether it's our own or around the world why are people that are otherwise healthy normal people including young athletes why do they just suddenly die Curious, that, isn't it? Thank you for the call. And Fred in Manhattan, how are you? 
Fred in Manhattan. Um, yeah, I'd like to uh, mention, you know, ask a question about, you spoke about the, the fellow who's being nominated to head the Federal Aviation Administration. I'm wondering whether or not he was asked questions like, why do you think you're qualified to be head of the administration where you know nothing about the function of the administration at all, you know, nothing about the subject matter. Uh, I'd like to know if he was asked questions like, do you think somebody who headed, uh, who would head a medical clinic should know something about medicine, maybe the human body, someone who might run a garage, should that person who manages a garage know something about automobiles, you know, and if that's the case, and of course it's the Hunter Biden syndrome. I wonder if they would ask about that, where somebody who knows nothing, like Hunter Biden knows nothing about energy, but is hired by a corrupt energy company in Ukraine and is paid huge money this seems par- a parallel to that. Great, all great questions, Fred. All great questions. We played earlier Joe Biden's a nominee for the to head the Federal Aviation Administration, and if you missed that, it was classic. The guy asked questions about aviation, knows absolutely nothing about any aspect of aviation. It was stunning to listen to. Teddy in Yonkers, New York. How are you, Teddy? Uh, good morning, Bo. You know I like you, but I disagree with you 95%. And I'm going to hold your feet to the fire now. Okay, hold on. Yes. I have two points to make. Yep. Number one, I haven't heard you comment. I call it on both sides. I agree with you. I don't care for this left wokeness at all. So I'm on the record by saying that. But I don't care for the Tucker Carlson's and the others on Fox that lied. And Rupert Murdoch admitted it under oath. They lied about the conspiracy theories of fraudulent election procedures. So you haven't said a darn thing about it, okay? And all the right-wing callers, I want you to hear that from Teddy from Yonkers. And number two, why did President Trump, I shouldn't even call him President Trump, I don't recognize him as, a, uh, as, a, as somebody that's competent to be the president. Why did he praise President Xi with, during COVID when he said, he's doing a great job. I spoke to him. He said he, he, I believe that he's doing a great job in containing. Okay, Teddy, my time is up. I got both questions. Let me give you the short answer. I've not talked about the Fox stuff because it's still playing out, frankly. And I want to hear what some of the Teddy, by the way, is right about this. There's a big difference between what you were told on TV and what apparently was going on behind the scenes at Fox, according to some testimony we're waiting to hear the rest that would be the voting case that lawsuit and so until i can say accurately what happened i don't talk about it as for president g why did trump say that i don't know why president trump said that 
doesn't make any difference to me. I still support President Trump. So I guess there my feet might be scorched, eh? No, they're not. Thank you, Teddy. I love you. That's it for our Saturday morning radio extravaganza. We'll be back Monday with Bo Snurley's Rush Hour. Again, go to the dailybs.com, sign up, get our news blast. And remember, Larry Kudlow's up next. Cousin Brucey later tonight with Music Radio WABC. We leave off with Birdland Weather Report, honoring the life of Wayne Shorter. We'll be back on Monday, 4 o'clock for Bo Snurley's Rush Hour. See you then. May God bless each and every one of you and protect each and every one of you and your families. Bye.